Welcome back to Second Inch Short. It is December 7th, and this week we have a big announcement. This week's podcast is officially sponsored by Brooks Running. If you're struggling to find that perfect gift this holiday season, check out the Run Happy line of products. From shoes to shirts to shorts, this brand will help you check all the boxes on your holiday list. Even if you're shopping for yourself, Brooks has something for everyone. Whether you're a runner, walker, gym shark, or just like to look comfortable yet stylish, check out the Brooks website, brooksrunning.com, or your local sporting goods store. Brooks, run happy. And personally, I've got three different pairs of Brooks shoes. I've got a bunch of the Brooks socks. I love my Adrenaline 22s. I wear them all the time to work. It, it's all about finding the Brooks for you, and it is super simple. So, uh, yeah, please go check out Brooks, and thank you to Brooks for sponsoring this episode. Yes, thank you, Brooks. All right, and we'll go ahead and just get started. NFL Week 13 recap. We'll start it off with Thursday Night Football. Bills, Patriots, 24-10. to 10. Any uh, initial thoughts off the jump, Brock? Not really. Uh, I'm going to say for the Pats, I don't think uh, Mac Jones is, uh, their big, is their issue. I think they have uh, some just issues in their offense, more of their offensive uh, system, their scheme. There's something there. I mean, he hasn't been, you know, uh, you know, the most amazing quarterback ever, but he's been doing good and putting in the work and hasn't looked too bad for this offense. I think there's something else there going on. I mean, they they haven't really been scoring too many points, so there's there's got to be something more than just a quarterback for people to blame. Yeah, like if you look at Max's stats, he didn't really play that bad. Um no interceptions this week. He only got sacked once, though, for 13 yards. Um, like, they, Ramondre Stevenson had an okay game on the ground, but he only got 10 carries. So I'm not too sure what's to blame for, for how bad this Patriots offense played. I, I think it might have been just more that the Bills outplayed them on defense. Yeah, I mean, this Bills team is very good, and... I mean, th- this Patriots team has not really been a great team since probably about what? What would you say, twenty eighteen? So yeah. I think uh, they. I don't know what they. They. I don't know where their issue is, but uh, Belichick definitely needs to <laughs> figure out what it is because it's not what we're used to seeing with him. Yeah, and then on the Bills side, uh, they just kind of keep it going. Um, Josh has another great game. Uh, didn't do as much on the ground this week. Uh, eight carries for 20 yards. It, it's funny to say that that's kind of out of character for Josh Allen. But, um, yeah, the guys were getting it done. Stefan Diggs had a great day. Uh, James Cook was actually getting involved in the run game. But, yeah, it, it just looked like uh, the Bills didn't really have to do much to win. But they still did. And um, you got anything else for here? I mean, just what I used to say about Josh Allen, he's just an amazing quarterback. It's always so much fun to watch him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and then to a game where uh, not not the most amazing quarterbacks, uh, Steelers-Falcons. Steelers beating the Falcons 19-16. And I was just getting so mad watching the Falcons this week. Like, most of the time, I can just accept that we're not good. But when we're playing against another team that is – also not good. It really pisses me off to see how bad this offense looked. 
Yeah, I mean, I understand they're out uh, one of their top weapons uh, with that being Kyle Pitts, but there's just almost no excuse for looking at how just looking at how bad they actually look. It's it's quite terrible. Yeah, like like Drake London got the receptions and the targets that he should have with Kyle Pitts being out. The problem is he got 12 targets. The next highest targets were for Zacchaeus, and he only got five. Like, Mariota attempted a pass 24 times, but they only had 28 running plays. So nothing was working on either part of the ball. You couldn't run, you couldn't throw, and of course we lost this game. Yeah, um, of course it did. I mean, I am kind of happy to see that defensively we're not looking too bad. I mean, we only gave uh, it's granted it's the Steelers, but we only gave up 19 to them. Defense is looking better than they have in uh, previous years, but I agree. Something's got to get done with this offense, especially uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah, and there's not really much else to talk about this game. Uh, of course, TJ Watt still kind of doing his thing. Didn't have any sacks or tackles for loss, so uh, that's a that's a big compliment to the Falcons' offensive line. Um, but yeah, that this was a game that we should have won, and we lost this game in the second quarter and just really didn't get anything back afterwards. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It's just. I I know there's this re- rebuilding year, so not to expect too much. But this uh this very good that this year's a uh, quarterback is a big quarterback draft class. So I hope that we're able to pick one up and use them. Yeah, and even if we don't go for one in the first round, uh, maybe you say that you know pick up a guy, let Mariota start, um, and then just kind of see how it goes. Like we still have Desmond Ritter here. I know that. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Desmond Ritter, but I also haven't seen enough of him. He looked pretty good in the preseason. We just don't know much about him as a professional quarterback. So I don't think we'll be going for a quarterback in the first round uh, unless Arthur Smith makes the decision this week to just go ahead and start Ritter for the rest of the season. Like I know we're still kind of in the race to make the playoffs, just because our division's been pretty weak this year, but I, I see no use in that. Yeah, I almost want to say no one in the NFC South deserves to be in the playoffs. I mean, not a single team here looks <laughs> like they deserve it. Yeah, if if that could happen, uh, it would definitely be to this division. Uh, we'll move on to uh, another division that's kind of struggling outside of one team, uh, the NFC North. Uh, Packers taking on the Bears. Uh, the heated rivalry. Um, of course, the Packers won. I don't even have to say that anymore. Like the Packers beat the Bears every year, every game. It doesn't yep. matter. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a big shocker. Uh, the Bears are just the Bears. <laughs> That's about all you can say for them. There, they're the Bears. Yeah, and like Rodgers, uh, Rodgers didn't really play well. Honestly, I think Justin Fields played a better game. The only thing that hurt Justin Fields was the two interceptions. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think uh, – I agree. I don't think Rodgers really had too good of a game. He um, he just – I just say week in and week out. I just I just don't know what it is up there. Maybe it's coaching. Maybe – I keep saying I think it's they put – they're giving – they're trying to make Rodgers way too happy with giving him, you know, everything he wants. They ne- neglect the rest of the team. But, you know, they, they should be better than what they are. 
Yeah, for sure. Like AJ Dillon had a great game. Um, 18 carries, 93 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Aaron Jones, I, I believe he left the game for a little bit and then came back late. But yeah, nobody on the offense for the Packers really had like an outstanding day. Uh, Christian Watson had a solid 46-yard run. But outside of that, nothing really jumped off the page. But you got to give any defense credit right now being able to stop Justin Fields when he tries to run. Uh, obviously, he still had 71 yards, but you limit you limit the amount that he can truly take over the game when you stop the constant runs. I agree. Yeah, uh, when you um, when you can just eliminate uh, and make him one dimensional and taking out the run game. Yeah, that that that's definitely what you gotta do when you play again. I mean, honestly, that's just the thing with most quarterbacks in today's game is you gotta eliminate their ability to run the football. I mean, exp- I mean, you can look all around the league. Yet, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, just name a few and if you can just get them one dimensional it completely changes uh the game for you yeah and we'll move on to one of their nfc north opponents uh the lions they took on the jags um the lions won it 40 to 14 yeah (laughs) was not expecting that that's a that is a beat down uh (laughs) Yeah, and Trevor Lawrence went out for a little bit, but it, at that point, it didn't even matter. Like Detroit was up twenty-three to six at half, and they just kept it rolling. And Jared Goff had probably one of the best games that he's had, and especially in Detroit. Yeah, and I say this about many quarterbacks uh, in the league because I mean, not every single quarterback is a you know a a solid. Um, NFL quarterback, or they're a solid NFL quarterback, but they're not a, you know, 10, 5, 5 plus, 10 plus year quarterback. They're just like a bridge quarterback. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's example, he was great on that Cleveland team for those years. He was great get you wins, but he was never anything exceptional. And I think uh, Jared Goff's another one of those. If, you, you know, you want to win a football game, you can put him in there, but he's not going to be the one uh, to take you all the way to a championship. I mean, I know he did it once, but Besides that one season, he hasn't really had anything special. Yeah, he he's a, a very one-dimensional quarterback, uh, like a true passer. And it, in this, like we talk about all the time, this like evolving NFL where the quarterbacks are, are probably like you're running back two on a lot of teams. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't work most of the time. But yeah, against this Jags team... It's not surprising whatsoever, and uh, I do want to put some spotlight on Amon Ross St. Brown. 12 targets, 11 receptions, 114 for two touchdowns. That man went insane. Yeah, that is <laughs> oh, that is a pretty impressive stat line. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then on the other sideline, Christian Kirk only needed six receptions for 104 yards, so... Uh, a big day for the uh, wide receiver ones. Yeah, didn't they make a? Were they talking about how that was such a bad uh, pickup for the Jags to get uh, Christian Kirk? Yeah, uh, he wasn't really a proven wide receiver, but he's looking pretty good throughout this whole season. Yeah, and I think uh, for him, they got uh, much better coaching down there. Uh, T Law is starting to settle in a little more, so 
it's definitely helping uh helping him out as well as the rest of the team. Yeah, but uh, we'll move on to uh, the Jets taking on the Vikings in Minnesota. The Vikings only take it by five, twenty-seven to twenty-two, and I think it's about time that we start taking this Jets team seriously. I know that the Vikings um, won, but you know they're ten and two, and I think we know at this point that the Vikings aren't really pretenders, but they do know how to win a close game. So with the Jets. It's seven and five. This is a huge turnaround from what we're used to with the Jets, at least over these last couple of years. And with Mike White at quarterback, they're letting him throw the ball. He's got the keys to the offense. And 31 for 57, 369 yards. He threw the two picks, but you're going to when you attempt almost 60 passes. Yeah, I was very impressed with Mike White there at quarterback. He's looking looking very good. Uh, what did you say? He had 60 attempts? Yeah, he had 57 attempts. Yeah, well, holy crap. That's that's a lot in one football game. I mean, uh, now that they have a quarterback up there that seems to be someone they all want to play for, they're looking really good. And I agree with you. Uh, keeping it close with the Vikings like that is pretty impressive uh, for that Jets team. Um, that's expect, like you to restate again what you said. Uh, we're not used to the Jets even keeping games close, especially – for most of our lifetime, they've always kind of been the almost laughing stock of the NFL. But this team is looking much, much better now, much improved. And I kind of like this uh, Mike White a lot more than uh, than uh, I did with Zach Wilson. Yeah, and, and I think what has helped this team over these last couple of years is that they're making the right moves. They're, they're drafting guys, uh, obviously – um, Michael Carter was out this week, and um, um, uh, Brees Hall is out for the season. But those are two guys, great pickups. Mike White has been kind of the surprise. Um, but then Garrett Wilson, eight receptions, 162 yards. Like, that is what you want out of a first-round wide receiver. And then guys that you pick up in the offseason, like C.J. Uzama, only had one reception for 31 yards, but he's making an impact on this team. And that is how I think the Jets are doing a textbook rebuild. I know it took a long time, but they've made the changes within the organization. Now they're making the changes to the roster and it's really paying off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just look so much better and so much improved and you're right. They really are making the right decisions. They still have a few more moves to make. I think before they can, really be a contender again but i mean this this looks much better i'm sure it's probably great to be a jets fan right now oh yeah for sure and uh uh we'll move on to uh commander's giants uh they end up tying at 20 um this game was like pretty good um impressive uh final uh fourth quarter touchdown for washington to tie it up but I got to call out Brian Dable's decision-making in overtime. Like, why are you punting? I think there was like 50 seconds on the clock. Like, just go for it at that point. Like, you just have to score. If you can get that first down there, set yourself up, keep moving up the field, you'll definitely be in field goal range by the time that clock's expiring. Yeah, um, I I agree. I don't. 
I don't like that play calling there as well as I don't like in the NFL that you can tie. <laughs> yeah, no, that bothers me. Yeah, that's that's not very American football of them that there are ties. <laughs> but uh yeah, uh very you know, I was expecting a little more from this uh giant scene after the start they had. I thought they kinda had it a little more figured out, but I mean I guess a tie is not a lose a loss, but they, they could they could definitely look a little better than what they've been. But again, they still have a lot to uh a lot they they also have a lot more they gotta get done before they are you know, back to the Super Bowl, back to like what they were uh, when we were younger and coming up. Yeah, I I agree. And something that this is kind of big for both of these teams, um, for for both of them to not leave here with a loss, because they're both very much in the playoff hunt. Uh, seven five and one for the Commanders. They're about to go on by. The Giants are seven four and one, and it just so happens that two of the top teams in the NFC are also in their division. So we could definitely see all four of these teams make the playoffs, um, more likely three of them. Uh, I'm sure one of these teams will end up hitting a little bit of a skid, but yeah, interesting to look for because ties definitely make the playoff situations a little bit tricky. Yeah, they, they definitely do. I mean, what was it last year? The uh, Raiders and uh, Chargers. Oh, that- yeah. Yeah, I forgot all about that, but uh, we'll move on to uh, the Eagles beating the Titans and yeah, the Eagles just kind of stopped them. 35-10, Jalen Hurts went into just absolute takeover. Like he was unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, they the Eagles definitely just looked like they were world beaters. They looked like world beaters in that game. I mean, the Titans can practically do nothing. Yeah, uh, and, and the ahead. Titans were, I think I heard it somewhere, the Titans got like 80% of the uh, the bets to cover. Like, at that point, you know the Eagles are going to win. It can't be <laughs> that obvious. Oh, yeah. I just, the I, I say, that's another thing I say, I say in week, week in and week out, uh, and this game was just A.J. Brown's revenge game on the Titans, like, why this is why he shouldn't have traded me, and he just you know he uh as if I recall, it's not the most amazing stat line, but from when I was watching the game, he oh, just, no, he had a great game, oh okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, eight receptions, one nineteen, two touchdowns, okay, yeah, I was thinking, I don't know what I was saying, and then, yeah, that is insane, um, and he just definitely showed you this is why you shouldn't have traded me, look <laughs> look at you now, like yeah, it. And just across the whole offense, people were just showing out uh, outside of the run game, uh, which is, is typically a spot where the Eagles do well. Normally, Miles Sanders has a great game or Jalen Hurts does it all on the ground. Jalen Hurts did it all in the air this week, which is like the complete opposite of last week. He only got five uh, five carries, 12 yards today. But like I said, A.J. Brown, 119. Devontae Smith had 102. Jack Stahl had 41. Kenneth Gainwell had 38. Like He was getting all the receivers involved, and it was just an offensive masterclass. And I want to uh, shout out to the Eagles' defense. I mean, they shut that run game down. They held Derrick Henry to 11 carries for 30 yards. And the, and the person on the Titans team had the most, most rushing yards was Ryan Tannehill with 34. So, I mean, they completely made this Titans team one-dimensional and just shut them down. 
So that was, I mean, great defense as as well as a great offensive game. I mean, as a they, that's a that's an A plus game for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, and, and just to make it look even better for them, they still don't have Jordan Davis back, and he was the part that of this defensive line that was really the run stopper early this year. So, yeah, the the Eagles defense looks amazing, and Nicobe Dean had a great game. Uh, always got to talk about those dogs in the league. Oh yeah, uh, he's. I've always liked uh, liked him since he came out of high school. He he was about I want to say about forty five minutes north of Ole Miss. I was really hoping he was going to come here, but he chose Georgia instead, which I can't blame him. Kirby Smart's the one of the greatest defensive coaches of all time, and I mean he helped develop him and got him into the league. I mean, Nickobe Dean was the best linebacker on the field. Uh, oh, he was at Georgia for what three years, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, for three season, for two of his three seasons, he was the best linebacker in the league. And his freshman year, if I recall correctly, he had a, an amazing freshman year as well. So he was definitely an impact in college. But, I mean, like you said, he also looked very good in the game on, uh, in, on Sunday. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll move on to two teams that just did not look good. Uh, you got the Ravens beating the Broncos 10-9, to and this is once again a score that just keeps on being the story of the Broncos' year. Like, Russell Wilson sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, uh, whoever did that trade for the Broncos ought to be taken out back and shot. He just... <laughs> yes. Yeah, He's like terrible. Like the Broncos should have seen that Lamar Jackson left the game super early and realized, okay, we got to turn it up. The defense still played well. You limited an NFL team to 10 points and you still lost. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that is insane that literally they limited a defense to 10 points. And they lost. That is not what you see in modern day NFL. That is insane. Yeah, especially I, when you have a, a a former Super Bowl champion, former I I don't think he's won an MVP, but a, a perennial MVP candidate in Russell Wilson at quarterback. You definitely don't expect to score nine points on three field goals. I mean, when you look at the statistics for Russell Wilson, he didn't really do play too bad. Seventeen for twenty two. 184 yards, or sorry, 189 yards. That's not that bad. Where's their issue coming in at? It, well, it, it's not just the run game that's the issue. It, it's just going to be staying on the field. There, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can complete the passes, but if you're not getting the yardage you need and you're not getting the, the third downs and fourth down conversions that you need, you can't be successful. Well, yeah, my question, uh, what I was kind of pointing out there is where does it, does it come down on Russell? Or does it come down on just they just need to go through and just clear house in the coaching staff and in the front office or whatever? I don't know. Like I, I haven't given them too much time, but you went two for twelve on third downs. I, I think at that point you got to put it on Russ. Yeah, that is terrible. Uh, do we? Uh, I wish I had more of the box score out for him because I didn't really get a chance to watch this game. But uh, do we know? Uh, the di- the average distance of their third downs. I I don't know. I don't know where I'd even find that. Honestly, <laughs> that but, could, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. It's just a crazy statistic I usually get for working, working for a football team. Fair enough. Well, the next time, if you want to find those stats, I would gladly invite it. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't want to get stuck on Russell Wilson again. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to uh, Deshaun Watson's season debut. Browns beating the Texans 27-14. Deshaun Watson revenge game, if you want to call it. Um, This was an interesting one. Yeah, no, it it definitely was an interesting one. Uh, I think I said it last week. Deshaun Watson was going to have a – there's going to be a lot of rust there for him. Going to be very rusty. And when I say his uh, statistics here, you know, you're going to be like, oh, uh, yeah, definitely. 12 for 22, only 131 yards. And an interception. So he yeah, definitely like, uh, has a little. He definitely needs to get back into it. I mean, I don't know if they've been allowing him to practice or what, what, what not. But he's got a lot to work on. If you know all all the stuff they did to get him was worth it. Yeah, like in this game, I kind of expected Deshaun to kind of pull back a little bit. They'd let Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb run the ball. Um, and, and that's exactly what happened. Deshaun didn't really do very well, uh, when it came to his, when it came his time to throw the ball, but I, I think the Browns got a lucky break in the fact that they were playing the Texans. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a great game for the, for Deshaun Watts to come back against a not good team in this league to have a player who hasn't played in what, two years now. Yeah. For, yeah, for someone who hasn't played in uh, probably two years to come back and play, that 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 was a good lucked out for them well there. But uh, it, it really, uh, I mean, for his first game back, that's okay. But he needs to, if he is worth it, he's going to have to make each game, he's going to get consistently better, and there needs to be proof that he's getting consistently better. So, uh, but I mean, I wasn't too disappointed because, again, and two years of not getting to play football, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it, it's fair enough, but um, uh, he's got a long way to go before he, he gets back to where he was because uh, a performance like that is like out of the ordinary for uh, Deshaun Watson of two years ago. Yes, I agree. But uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on. Uh, Seahawks beating the Rams. 27-23. Uh, the Rams, I'm pretty sure now it's official. they've officially shut down Matthew Stafford for the year. So this is looking like uh, the worst title defense ever. Yeah, I don't, I mean, three and nine, every game, they just have not looked. They just, yeah, if you were to show me this team right now and you told me this team won a world or uh, sorry, a Super Bowl the year before, I would not believe you. There's just really nothing there that looks looks too good, really. Yeah, like I understand that they're getting beat up. Like Stafford hasn't played in a couple of weeks, cups out for the rest of the season. Uh they've had some problems with the running backs, but damn, three and nine, like that is brutal. Yeah, isn't this uh, the uh, worst, super, uh, worst season post having a Super Bowl like ever? Yeah, so far it's looking like they'll do that. And what sucks even more is that uh, right now they're slotted for the fourth overall draft pick, 
but that's the Lions. The Lions get to take that. Yeah. So, I mean, they won their title, but at what cost? Yeah, exactly. And I think we talk about that a lot. Like, they picked up Matthew Stafford, and it was obvious that both of the parties in that, Matthew Stafford and the Rams, were looking to win now. And they did it, but they're going to have to face the repercussions. They lose out on their draft picks. They now have an older quarterback who's injured, and you're kind of getting screwed over now. Yeah, I agree. They definitely put way too much on the now than a little bit into the future because now would be the perfect year, especially with Matthew uh, Stafford at the helm, to get that uh, get a young quarterback to learn up underneath someone who played at, in Detroit and then went and won a Super Bowl. And even in Detroit, under some terrible teams and coaching or whatever, he always looked good. And then uh, his year back, first year in L.A., winning the Super Bowl, it'd be a great – this would be the perfect year to pick up a quarterback and learn underneath Stafford because, especially with as much as he's been getting hurt and throughout his career, there's no way he's going to stay in the league too much longer. Yeah, and, and now that he's won the ring, he's got nothing holding him in. But uh, a guy who has just kind of earned his spot back in the NFL, Geno Smith, continues to kind of have some great games throughout this season, and the Seahawks are definitely not a bad team. Gino went 28 for 39, 367 in the air with three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, that's a phenomenal game. Yeah, uh, I think it is kind of funny to see the you know that big uh, trademark or sorry big land uh, the big uh, trade for Russell Wilson to Denver and that Russell's having a terrible year and now uh, Gino Smith you know has taken over and looks honestly looks very solid looks great. I mean, I w- I would happily have him as a quarterback on my team. He's just look he he looks good, and it's very enjoyable to watch him play. And he it's really nice to see him doing good finally after years of being as a backup. Yeah, and, and like he's getting it done all over the place. Like the the run game wasn't working that well today. Kenneth Walker only had three carries. I think he went out early in the game. DJ Dallas didn't really have a great game coming in kind of second string. But Tyler Lockett, nine receptions, 128 and a touchdown. DK Metcalf, eight receptions, 127 and a touchdown. Like, when you've got that one-two puncher receiver and you've got a quarterback that's willing to put the game in his hands, throw the ball, do what he needs to do, it's a recipe for success. I agree, and I mean something you can't deny is Pete Carroll's a it's a good football coach, and he he can get that for you. Yeah, for sure. I I, I genuinely think that at this point, Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame head coach. I agree. I mean, he's won honestly in both leagues. He's won now. He's won what uh, a Super Bowl? He's been to t- three Super Bowls, including the one he won, right? Um, I think. I think only two. I think they, they won the one, and then they, uh, they threw on the one-yard line in the other. Yeah, so he should really have two rings, but he kind of choked that second year. And then um, he also won when he was in college. So he's obviously a good head coach. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a winner. That, that's really what Pete Carroll is. He's a winner. And when he has the guys that he needs in, in the lineup, he's that team's going to play well. I know last year looked really bad, but I think that was kind of in the midst of problems with Russell Wilson. Now, 
it's kind of like a, a fresh start with a new quarterback. And I, I know nobody thought at the beginning of this season that Geno Smith was going to do what he's done. But Pete Carroll's using what he's got, and and Geno Smith is much better than I'd I'd say like half the quarterbacks in the league this season. Yeah, he he has definitely looked like a uh, top half of the of a. I mean, he's a solid quarterback, and he's winning the games. He's better than a a lot of quarterbacks. Because, I mean, there are a lot of good quarterbacks, but just can't win you football games. I mean, uh, like I was using Baker as example earlier. When he was in Cleveland, yeah, he had all those weapons, so he was able to win you the games. But now, once they put him in the Panthers, he didn't have any weapons, and you know he got replaced. So um, definitely, Gino with having these—I don't—I mean, of course, we haven't seen him without, but having the Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf on uh, at his side is great for uh, a quarterback who's not, you know, a superstar or anything. But he has those players that are superstars, and he can get them into their hands. Yeah, yeah. Gino has definitely been, um, in my opinion, probably the comeback player of the year. Um, but we'll go ahead into the 49ers beating the Dolphins. And this scoreline really surprised me when I saw that Jimmy Garoppolo went out of the game pretty early. And I knew Trey Lance was out for the season. And I was like, I don't even know who their backup is. I come to find out, it is Brock Purdy from Iowa State. He came in and he did his thing. Yeah, he came in and looked great. I mean, 25 for 37, 210 yards, two touchdowns and only one interception. I mean, that's a pretty good game. Yeah, for sure. And then, like, Tua um, had an ankle injury in the game. It didn't really change much. They they opened up the game, 75-yard passing touchdown. And after that... It, it seemed like they just had no answer for this defense. Yeah, definitely. What ha- what happened with this Miami team this again? Uh, this game is, and especially if you go look at this at the at the box score. I mean, Tua had a pretty decent game. I mean, you can't really complain for someone throwing eighteen for thirty three, two hundred ninety five yards for two touchdowns. But you can't complain about these two touchdowns. I mean, the two touchdowns is really what screwed him there. But that's not too bad of a game. But what really happens is you can go down to their rushing statistics. Only rushed for 33 yards on eight attempts. Yeah, like I don't understand how you even put yourself in that situation. Look, I know the 49ers defense is amazing. And I get that, you know, you should be scared of their defensive line. You should be scared of their linebackers. They've still got a great secondary. And you definitely don't want to be standing in the pocket with Bosa coming off the edge. Yes, I agree. And uh, I don't know if it's because the, um, you know, the coach got scared and w- just got not scared per se, but uh, just got nervous, got caught up in his emotions, was trying to score so bad that he kept putting in the passing plays to try keep keeping him in the game or what happened. But I mean, you got to run the ball more than eight attempts. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous, and we've seen multiple teams this season they go into this game knowing that the Forty ers have this elite defense. And you would think that they spent the entire week game planning for it. But there's no way that a head coach, Mike McDaniel, is going to his former team, knows how good that defense is, and still did not make a good game plan for this game. It, It makes no sense. Like, why would you go into this game knowing that you don't want to rush the ball? 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, something else I point I didn't point out is Tua also had a uh, also had a fumble loss. So that definitely wasn't that good. Great, too great of a game for Tua. I mean, he had three turnovers, which three turnovers. I don't know if they scored off of them because I also didn't really get to see this game, but that's a lot. Even they scored off of two. They had that's- they had one uh, defensive touchdown. Um, I believe it was on um, an interception. So he throws a pick six, and then he turns the ball over, and then the uh, Niners offense drives down the field. Even if they get two field goals, that's still 13 points he gave up alone, basically. Yeah, and, and they brought in Skylar Thompson for one play, and then he threw a pick. He threw a pick on his only attempt of the game. So the 49ers defense ends up getting um, four turnovers throughout the game. And it just totally killed this Dolphins team. Oh yeah, I mean, four turnovers would kill any team. There, if you give up four turnovers, you're gonna you're gonna lose the game. I mean, turnovers are a big, big player in the game. You real, I mean, especially when it's two really good teams playing against uh, each other, you don't tend to see too many turnovers. But uh, but uh, sometimes, I mean, that a turnover, winning a turnover battle can win you the game. Every time, so they definitely won this game because I mean four turnovers, and we know for a fact they scored off of one of them. Again, like I said, with the other three, just they get field goals. That's sixteen points that the uh, team uh, that the Miami's Dolphins gave. Uh, sorry, offense gave up. Yeah, well, we'll move on uh, to probably the best matchup of the week, in my opinion. Uh, the Chiefs taking on the Bengals. Bengals take it 27-24. Uh, game-winning uh, drive down there late. Joe Burrow looked great. Pat Mahomes also looked great. Not quite as good as Joe Burrow. But it, this is what I talked about last week in my uh, Stake Your Claim. The, the Bengals know what to do to win a game. They do it against the good teams. Like This was a must-win game for the Bengals. They were sitting at 7-4. and four. You don't want to drop to seven and six. They get to eight and four, and now all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, they're probably going to end up winning the division now that Lamar is a little bit questionable up in Baltimore. And you start circling the Bengals on your schedule because this team comes in and they, they'll kick your ass if you're not ready. Yeah. Uh, like you said, uh, like they did last year, they tend to get their there's stuff put together at the end of the season, which is always great. I mean, the, of course, you got to play good the whole season, but if you can win the end of your schedule, that usually sets you up great for the playoffs and uh, whatnot. And uh, again, uh, to reiterate what you said, they, they are winning against the good teams, against the teams they need to win against to prove they deserve to be in the playoffs, to prove they deserve to be at the top of the division and all that. And then uh, another kind of shining star for the Cincinnati Bengals is Joe Mixon was out, and Samaje Pirine filled that role perfectly. 21 carries, 106 on the ground. Like, they got it done in the rushing game when I I think that was the biggest question mark with this offense this week is how well are they going to play without Joe Mixon again? And they did it again. They had a great game. Uh... The Chiefs, they still played well. Isaiah Pacheco had a decent game, 14 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. 
Uh, Jarek McKinnon had a decent game with 51 yards. Uh, the only real problem I see uh, across the score sheet is Travis Kelsey lost that fumble. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling had two receptions and only in, in on six targets, like four. Uh, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't know if they're drops. He could have got overthrown, but you can't miss four targets. Yeah, I agree. I mean, for both sides of the uh, both teams here, they, it especially if you look just at the sheet, it looked like a great game. I wish I. I mean, it looked great. It both teams, both uh, passing and running the ball, they had a great game, and you know this is. This is the type of game that you got to, like we were uh, saying uh, just a few moments ago, these are the type of games you can get in the playoffs. These are the type of games you're going to have to win to make it to the Super Bowl. I think they're paving themselves uh, a pretty good path. Yeah. And uh, like you said, uh, I believe you said Travis Kelsey, yeah, he gave up a uh, turnover. And like I was saying with the the 49ers, if you can capitalize on that one mistake, especially when you're playing against against a good team, that could be you winning the game or losing the game. Yeah, and it definitely ended up being a big one. So um, we'll move on. Uh, Raiders beat the Chargers 27-20. This Raiders team is so weird. Like, this is the week that they decide to win, but, like, like, they played well but not great. And... Yeah, I, I I really just can't get a read on this Raiders team. They're weird. I just they 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 must still be recovering from losing all those first round draft picks to crazy circumstances and or them just being bad. Because <laughs> like you said, it, I I agree. There is really nothing you can say about them being good or bad. It just depends on the week. Yeah, like like Devonte Adams. Uh, I could be wrong. He didn't. I, I don't even think he had more than, like, one reception in, like, the first quarter, maybe even, like, the first, like, 25 minutes of the game. And then they were just like, oh, yeah, we have Devontae Adams. And then they just start feeding him. Like, eight yeah. receptions, 177 yards, and two touchdowns. Like, you know he's the guy. He is your source of offense outside of Josh Jacobs. Why are you not feeding him from the jump? Like, your first and your last throw should go to Devontae Adams. Yeah, I mean, just looking at uh, uh, their two, like uh, the two players you stated, uh, they had they combined for over three hundred yards of offense, just between the two of them. Yeah, so, like it, it's it's crazy how good this Raiders team can be. They just haven't shown it throughout this season. Yeah, and I mean they have had a few crazy years, so. Uh, between coaching and you know some issues with players and all that, so maybe it's the you know maybe uh, I don't know I can't really speculate too much here, but uh, I mean, it is uh, it is still a uh, first year head coach, not his first year as a head coach, but uh, they have a brand new coach and a new system, all that. And uh, if they can if they start winning out, if they can win out, then I have a it's a I think that's a good sign for them. Uh, they play the Rams, Pats, Steelers, Niners, Chiefs. Uh, the last two are obviously the two hardest uh, that I named. But if they can win out or even go three and two and keep the last two get- and keep them all close, I think that's a good sign for them next season. 
because that means they're understanding the new system and all of that under the new uh under their new head coach. But yeah, it's just been a crazy season for them. It's so hard to get a read. Yeah, and then for the Chargers, like Eckler just kind of wasn't doing his thing. I know he only got ten carries, but thirty-five yards. You, you think you'd get a little more out of Austin Eckler, and and then Justin Herbert, like he tried to save this game. He had. 335 yards and a touchdown the kid just needs some protection like five sacks you're not gonna win when you're i'm gonna say he's a star quarterback and when your star quarterback is just getting hit over and over and over again you're not gonna win yeah i I agree i mean look at what cincinnati did after that first year joe burrow where he got or he you know completely tore his knee and he ca- they came back and got him the protection he needed, and he took him to the Super Bowl. And now look at what he's doing this year. So they definitely need to put some investment into that offensive line. Yeah, and, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's time we start talking about Justin Herbert potentially leaving. If they're not going to make the, the right moves in these next two years, I, I could see Justin Herbert leaving and going somewhere where they're going to make the changes that they need for him to be successful. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't, I, if I was Justin Herbert and I, if they don't this offseason in the draft and in free agency and they don't pick up any more, any new O-linemen or anything that's going to help, I would be very upset because, like you said, that's a very big issue. He, had, he got sacked for five yards. Uh, sorry, he got sacked five times. I mean... That's that. That's not good. I mean, I, on the defensive side, yeah, they they that's really good for you. But on the offense, if you give up, you you really can't even give up a sack. I mean, any lost yardage in a football game is so big. So they really need some protection for him. And like you said, he is a star quarterback. He is uh, a future. Uh, a, he has a lot of potential, and he's going to be a great uh, quarterback in the future. So they really do need to make sure they're protecting him. Yeah, I, the Chargers just confused me. It, this was a confusing game. Chargers and the Raiders are both confusing teams because it seems like the Raiders, they know what they need to do to be successful, and it's exactly what they did this week. But they just couldn't do that in prior weeks. And then with the Chargers, like once again, they know what they need to do, and they just don't get it done. But we'll move on to um, just... Uh, <laughs> An absolute beatdown. Cowboys beating the Colts Sunday night football 54 to 19. That's just mean. Yeah, that, that's that's just about on the verge of bullying right there. Like, Matt Ryan threw three picks. They, they fumbled the ball twice. Uh, a very Colts performance. And then for the Cowboys, like, Dak didn't really have to do anything. 20 for 30, 170 for three touchdowns and an interception. Like, only 170 yards from Dak is surprising for, for how big of a win this was. Tony Pollard did his thing. Zeke did his thing. Like, this team, I, I know it's the Colts, and I know the Colts are really bad, but you do have to take the Cowboys serious. I'm sure they'll choke in the playoffs, but you see them on the schedule. You should be scared. They've got the guys on defense. They've got some some solid playmakers on offense. 
And I I do think that this team can really get it done. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, you, I, I may not be a big Cowboys fan and say they're overrated and they choke all the time and they always choke in the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't really say too much because this season they have looked good and have had some really good football uh, games. Uh, like, just, yeah, like this one, for example, they, I mean, they have two games where they practically shut out the other team. So I agree. This is definitely a team you should not, you know, you, you should have, you, you should go in not scared, but knowing they're going to give it their all and you got to make sure you're giving it your all. Yeah. And, and just like watching this Cowboys team, this is a team that I'd really like to see match up with the 49ers in the playoffs. I'd want to see how well this offense can play against that defense and how well this defense can play against this pretty strong Dallas offense. Yeah, I mean, this this Dallas offense is really good. Uh, I'm, you just read uh, out their stats. I mean, they looked very good, especially with that rushing. I, I, I always like a, good, uh, a team that has good running backs that can run the ball well. So I think that'd be that would be a really fun game. A lot of people would enjoy to watch. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we'll move on to uh, Monday Night Football, which wasn't quite as eventful. Uh, we had a uh, a signature Tom Brady winning drive uh, to get that Buccaneers win 17-16 over the Saints. And it, it does look like things are starting to fall in place for the Bucs. Uh, Tom Brady... He's taken over 54 attempts. Like th- this is this is Tom Brady telling everybody on the sideline, "Remember who I am. Let me do my thing. You guys just got to catch the ball." Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna say what I said earlier. No one in the NFC South really deserves to be in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, they they look better this week and. But I just still don't think – I mean, they're, the, the Buccaneers are still a good team. Do not get me wrong. They have good players, and uh, they, they still have a pretty uh, decent de- – they have a pretty good defense still, but they just – it's just hard for me to say anybody in the NFC South deserves to be in the playoffs. Yeah, but I, I will say um, the Saints are a little bit beat up. Obviously, Jameis has been out. Um you're, you've been missing a couple of guys, but I'm, I know we've talked about it in prior weeks, but I'm still surprised at how bad the Saints team is. Oh, I am. So it's, that's just a total implosion of a football team. And I mean, you know, this, this was bound to happen. They lost their quarterback of what, like 12 years, uh, their head coach for that time period as well. You know they lost a lot of they lost a few coaches and a couple other players as well, and they just were not able to, you know, and everything just kind. Of, and then this year, the quarterbacks they brought in to be the back uh, to take over, uh, J- Jameis Winston, uh, he got injured. And then I'm surprised uh, you said it before. They like they have Tyson Hill play everything. Why not have him at quarterback since you already were having him play quarterback, uh, even when Drew Brees was there. So why not? put him in there, but instead they keep picking up other quarterbacks. And I have to agree with you, I just don't really like watching Andy Dalton play. No offense to him, but I mean, yeah. it's it, I almost feel like his time, uh, much like Tom Brady, his time's come, but at least Tom Brady can still win football games. 
Yeah, you, you definitely got to give Tom that one. But, like, Andy Dalton didn't even have that bad of a game, honestly. Like, 20 for 28, 229 and a touchdown. He didn't get inter- throw any interceptions. Uh, he didn't even lose a fumble. But, like, there, there's still just so many question marks in New Orleans. And uh, I'm... I'm very interested to kind of see the moves that they make over these next couple of years. Cause I, I do think they're in a rebuild. You know, you can't lose your head coach and your franchise quarterback and say that you're still a contender. So uh, they're definitely in a rebuild and uh, I'm interested to see what happens, but let's go ahead and get into some NFL news. Uh, this is kind of the first week we've really had a, a decent amount of news. So we'll start off uh, Monday morning. Baker gets waived by the Panthers and then uh, to today, as we're recording Tuesday, um, this morning gets picked up by the Rams. Um, I'm not surprised that he got picked up. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that it was the Rams. Um, I, I know they need help, but what is the use in having Baker Mayfield on your team? Because it, it doesn't change much. I mean, I kind of uh, said this earlier. He he was a proven winner at Cleveland. He had the weapons. And I think that's just kind of what they want. They want someone who's won games, gone to the playoffs, someone who can just get him a few more wins to get him out of this season, you know? And to kind of screw the lines over to make sure they don't get the number four pick. <laughs> that's fair, but I, I I don't think he's gonna be much of a difference maker. Like, yeah, he'll he'll maybe win you one more game than uh than Wolford or however you say his name would. But uh, it's not like a needle mover for the Rams. I, I get they're trying to kind of salvage what they can out of this season, but just let the guys play. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, if it wasn't if they were getting this draft pick, I, I would definitely be like, oh, I would not have picked him up. But I think since they're not getting the draft pick, it's going to uh, the Lions. They're going to say, hey, let's try and getting something out of this season. You know, if anything, we we could be petty and screw the lines over a little more. You know, just get to. It also, I feel like it's also to give their fans some hope uh, moving forward for next season. Just like, hey, you know, we we got our our veteran quarterback. He'll be returning healthy. Our you know MVP receiver uh, from twenty twenty one will be returning from injury. I mean, a lot of our players will be coming back. So just to like keep a little hope there, and then you know, for the next season. Yeah, I, I get it. But yeah, I, I, I still don't know if, if it's really the move to be made, but uh, we'll, we'll move on to a team that, um, like I said, I'm kind of surprised they didn't pick up a quarterback. Uh, it comes out. Jimmy Garoppolo's out for the season. Trey Lance is already out from the season uh, from earlier in the year. And, and Brock Purdy had a good game. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of surprised that, they still haven't picked anybody up that I've seen. Um, they they might have picked somebody up off of a, a practice squad somewhere. But um, this is just the worst timing for Garoppolo to get hurt. Last week, I come out and I make the take that they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. And then he decides to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is quite literally the worst time for your starting quarterback to get injured. Uh, he is at the end of the season. Um, because I mean, especially they've had their what 12 games in now, it is it is rough to have to bring someone in who hasn't really jailed with the team a lot, hasn't really played with the team a lot, 
and say, all right, get in there, do your thing. And, of course, he looked very good uh, this this last game. But was that just kind of beginner's luck? Or, or are they going to be able to rely on him more? We'll see in the next few weeks, though. Yeah, and, and obviously Brock Purdy was a good quarterback at Iowa State. But, like you said, um, he, he hasn't made a start. He's just kind of – he's just now getting off the scout team. So – I'm interested to see what he does in these next couple weeks, and I'm also interested to see um, if the 49ers try and make a make a pickup. But uh, we'll, we'll move on uh, to Lamar Jackson. Um, he was out for the whole game, just about. Um, came out just a few plays in, but it looks like his injury's not too serious. I think he's questionable for next week, but... Um, it's definitely something to worry about with this Ravens uh, team for the rest of the season because, obviously, this team is significantly worse without him. Oh, definitely. He, he kind of makes that that offense is built around him and his ability to run and uh, you know his ability to run and scramble the football and make the plays. So uh, I agree. Without him, that does uh, that's that's not uh, looking too good for them, but. I think you just got to let him get healthy, though, because I think they'll end up in the playoffs. Uh, let's look at the remaining schedule they have. I mean, the remaining schedule is the Steelers this upcoming week, then the Browns, Falcons, Steelers again, and Bengals. I mean, realistically, the Steelers, Browns, uh, Falcons, and Steelers again, th- those are all winnable without your starting quarterback, I think. Uh, so I, I don't think- know. I don't know. I this might sound biased, but I think that if I think the Falcons could win if we're playing against Huntley and not Lamar Jackson. Well, yeah. Um, I, I want to say for the bias in there, I think the Falcons could potentially uh, do something there, but I think for I think they're the, uh, also the, uh, the Ravens defense is a pretty solid defense. Um, not gonna say it's great, but usually it's pretty solid. And I think they could, they would do pretty good at least against the Browns and the Steelers, especially with the Browns. Uh, with the uh oh, dang, Deshaun Watson coming back and still kind of being iffy. So I think they they have a pretty good solid chance of you know doing pretty good the la- these last few games and still going into the playoffs. But you definitely got to get Lamar Jackson healthy if you want any shot. At going anywhere after getting to the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I'm interested to uh, to see how he does, and hopefully he is back next week, and they don't have to worry about anything. But um, and then the only other real injury news is uh, Tua. Um, he hurt his ankle in the game. Uh, stayed in for pretty much the entire entire game, other than Skylar Thompson coming in for a, a couple of plays, but like he came out in the press conference and said like, this is the best I've ever felt. And like, that's a, that is weird. You know, when you go to address the media, it's fine to be like, yeah, I got a little banged up, but I'm, I'm okay. Don't go out there and just lie. <laughs> yeah. They, I think they might've shot him up with, a, you know, some feel good. And, uh, that, that might, might be where that came from, but I agree. You can't just, that's not really what you you don't go out and lie, like blatantly lie like that, 
because that I mean, almost to me that um, that almost as if I'm looking, I'm like, oh, that dude's definitely hurt, or that <laughs> he's hurting at least a little bit. Because I mean, you could tell he was favoring that ankle a little. Yeah, it it just he confuses me, man. I I don't know who media trained him, but they did a bad job. But he also we'll, probably, we'll get in. Oh no, go ahead. I was gonna say he probably has brain damage right now from all yeah, the that, concussions and not taking the proper protocol time. Fair enough. But uh, we'll we'll get into this MLB news, and there's a lot of MLB news. We're gonna run through it uh, pretty quickly because I do still want to get to uh some of conference championship week and some of our favorite bowl game matchups. So um, we'll just run through it quick. Uh, definitely one of the biggest moves of the offseason. DeGrom signs with the Texas Rangers. Five years, 185. It's a huge contract. I, I don't understand why you would sign DeGrom long-term, though. You know he's had the injury problems throughout his career with the with the Mets. What What makes you think that in these next five years he's just going to magically be healthy yeah um i agree uh isn't he also then isn't he also older he's not old um but But he's getting up there he's he's definitely a veteran pitcher at this point yeah yeah i've always uh yeah especially someone who's had on and off injuries and getting a little older long term is always a little i always kind of see a little iffy but i mean he is one heck of a pitcher. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I don't know how much this move's really gonna gonna change the Rangers. They were bad last year, and uh, you know, maybe you add twenty wins to your season with Degrom, or maybe you add three appearances from Degrom. So you never really know. But uh, we'll move on to a signing that I actually think is a, a really good signing for the Mets, Verlander. Two years, $87 million. And look, I know Verlander's getting up there in age. If you've got the opportunity to sign the the reigning AL Cy Young, you do it. And you give him the money he wants. So getting Verlander out of Houston is huge for the Mets. Yeah, getting, uh, I mean, and kind of like you said, I, I really do like that they didn't sign him for any crazy years or anything, just two years. And he's going to, Oh my goodness, my computer's freezing up on me. But he's going to... I think that's a good... Uh, uh, that was a good uh, pickup from them. And it just doesn't seem too stupid. And you're paying him... Not, I mean, $87 million is a lot, yeah. But, I mean, especially something of his caliber. That seems kind of cheap. I, I don't know. When it, when it comes to pitchers, um, you don't see a huge annual value. But, you know, for two years... You're paying the guy $87 million. That's That's a hefty sum. That is but, true. That is. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about this Zach Eflin signing from the Rays because it, it's ridiculous. Um, giving Zach Eflin three years, $40 million is crazy. But what's much crazier is that that's the biggest free agent deal the Rays have ever given is $40 million. <laughs> that, is, that is actually crazy. Like, Verlander's getting more than that a year. Yeah. that That's pretty crazy. for it. They've been around for a while. That is actually insane. That's their biggest signing, uh, free agency signing. Yeah, it, it, it's wild, but yeah, there's not much to talk about there. Zach Uthlund's not that good. 
But um, the Mariners uh, traded Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro to the Brewers for Colton Wong. And I think that the big part of this here is not really the players, um, but the fact that now the Mariners picked up a second baseman and a, a pretty good second baseman at that. I think this kind of takes the Mariners uh, out of the top free agent shortstop conversations. Uh, a lot of people were saying that Dansby was going. Some people talked about Correa just because J.P. Crawford uh, would most likely just shift over to second base. Now it looks like they want J.P. to stay at short, and they want Colton Wong at second. And uh, I don't blame him. He's a great glove. But you, you would have added a lot with Dansby Swanson or Carlos Correa. Yeah. Speaking of, I know this is a bit off topic. Do you think? Uh, do you think we can keep Dansby here in Atlanta, or do you think the long the longer it goes on, the more it kind of scares me? But also, I, I do kind of like that, uh, and we're about to get to it. Uh, I do like that some of the shortstop spots are filling up because it does leave Dansby with a chance to come here or come back. Because yeah. Like Ooh. yeah, like I said, the Mariners filled their hole. The Phillies signed Trey Turner to a, a huge eleven year deal. Um, and so that kind of closes off uh another spot and it does kind of just leave a couple of shortstops available and only a few spots to go. Yeah, because I mean I don't know if it's because of if there was a money thing or exactly what it was, but he um I mean, he shouldn't leave Atlanta. He's obviously, I mean, he's from here. He's, in my opinion, I don't think he should leave Atlanta. I mean, he's from here. Family's from here. He's, you know, been the face of Atlanta. And he really did become the face after uh, Freddie left us this past season because, you know, he's, he, he was, he's been here for a while. He started his career with us. So I would hate to see him go. Yeah. Yeah. I would hate to see him go, but I, I don't want to overpay him. Uh, he already turned down his qualifying offer, which was 19.6. And I I don't think we should pay him more than we pay Austin Riley, which I believe Riley's getting paid, I, I want to say, 25 a year uh, with this new extension he signed during the season. And I, I don't think that Dansby Swanson's value is higher than Austin Riley's. I, I know that Dansby's got a great glove, and he had a great season last year. He doesn't have the best track record. And I just think that Austin Riley brings more. So if we end up spending more than 25 a year on Dansby, I'd be really surprised. I, I, I think he's looking more into like a six-year, um, probably 22, maybe 23 a year deal. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. I think I don't think he's better. Or I think I do believe, uh, like you said, Austin Riley's a better player, more consistent. And I would hate to overpay Dansby just because he's, you know, he's brings in uh, money or whatever and sells. But at the end of the day, we have a lot of players who can do that. So why would we want to overspend on Dansby? Yeah, it wouldn't make much sense to me, but uh, we'll we'll move on. So like I said uh, just a minute ago, Trey Turner, uh, 11 year deal uh, somewhere in the 300 millions. Um, crazy, crazy money. Um, him and Bryce Harper linking up again like they did in Washington. Um, uh, a couple of the other moves that have happened, Mitch Hanniger um, signs with the Giants, three-year deal uh, for $43 million. 
and uh, Kyle Gibson signed a one-year deal with Baltimore. Um, and then, oh yeah, last one, uh, Cody Bellinger, after getting non-tendered a couple weeks ago, signs a one-year, uh, I believe it's in like the $17 million area uh, with the Chicago Cubs. So um, big up to uh, Cody Bellinger getting his spot. Yeah, uh, good for good for him. But uh, we can we can go ahead and move on to uh, the championship weekend outcomes, and uh, I I don't want to spend too much time talking about the implications of these games, uh, just because we're going to talk about them. So we'll we'll kind of just roll through this. Uh, Utah beats USC forty seven twenty four, and this game was uh, honestly it was great to watch. I, I know I'm pretty sure last week both of us picked USC. Uh, I can't quite remember. But still, undoubtedly a great game. Yeah, I'm very surprised uh, USC gave this up. Uh, that's the, all I can say is just wow. I don't know how they gave it up, but uh, I mean, they and I think if this game was closer, USC possibly could have stayed in the playoffs because since they did lose a conference game, or sorry, uh, a postseason conference game, which that it's a it's a it's a game. I. It is hard. I I agree. It should affect you the outcome since they did end up losing by twenty three points. That that kind of proved they shouldn't been uh, been in the playoffs. But I think they were lost by ten or less. They should have been able to stay. But I can't believe they they gave up forty seven points like they did. And weren't they up two going into halftime? Uh, so they were tied at halftime, and then Utah took a a seven point lead after the third. And then Utah just completely turned it up in the fourth. Uh, they outscored them twenty-three to seven in the fourth quarter. But uh, I will give the uh, give USC this. Caleb Williams did look pretty hurt. Uh, I know he he still ran uh, a little bit in the second half, but you could tell that there was a lot of plays where he would traditionally scramble out of the pocket, get the yards they need, and he ended up either just throwing it away or, or chucking it downfield. So it was obvious that Caleb was hurt, but nonetheless, he had a great game. 28 for 41, 363 yards and three touchdowns, uh, only one interception. He had a great game. It, it just so happens that Utah played their game. Utah ran the ball down USC's throat. They did their thing, and uh, they, they did what they needed to to win. We talk about that with a bunch of different games where they did what they needed to to win. Utah definitely went up and above, um, just kind of skimming by, but they looked great. Yeah, they they really did look great. I mean, they had over 500 yards of total offense. Their quarterback had 310 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, their two two of their running backs had over 80 yards. Uh, Jackson ran for 105. Uh, Bernard ran for 88. I mean, that offense was firing at all cylinders. Yeah, they they truly looked really good, and um, probably a team that I I would have liked in the playoffs. Uh, if they hadn't had that tough loss in Week One to Florida, I think this would have been a completely different season for Utah. But uh, you know, you can't really change the past. But we'll move on to a game that. We once again were wrong on. Uh, we we both took TCU, uh, thinking that they looked great, and 
they didn't look bad. I think Kansas State just looked good. Kansas State beats TCU 31-28 in overtime. And kind of, I wouldn't say it shocked the nation because everybody's been preying on TCU's downfall, but uh, definitely a shocker to me. Yeah, uh, I was definitely shocked. I thought, I, I don't remember what I said, but I really hope I said this. <laughs> but I'm, if I recall, I think I said it was going to be a close game. And just TCU could not, they just didn't really look, I don't know what it was because, I mean, it was a close game, 38, uh, th- sorry, 31-28. And I'm trying to think of what they did wrong, but they didn't really do anything wrong. They just got outplayed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kansas State played well, and, and uh, I just want to shut up all the people on Twitter that were like, oh, Kansas State lost to a backup quarterback. Well, Howard's been starting since, like, week seven uh, when Adrian Martinez got hurt, so you can't pull that one. Uh, yeah. But I will say, Kansas State played great. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, 26 carries, 130, one yard, or sorry, one touchdown. That's a great game. Max Duggan was looked like a, a a prime dual threat quarterback, getting 251 in the air and 110 on the ground. Uh, he was getting it done, and he put his whole heart and soul into that game, and they just couldn't come out with the win. Yeah, I mean, that last drive, I'm pretty sure they said he rushed for like, 80-something yards, or not 80, because that's the whole field, like 60-something. No, it was the last, like, two or three drives. He rushed for a combined 95 yards. Yeah, it, I mean, it that's was ridiculous. So, I mean, he, he did put it all of his heart and soul on the line. It was a great game to watch. I, I, was able, I, I was able to watch all the games on Saturday, and it was such an enjoyable, such a fun game to watch because – it it was so close, and it really wasn't even like a sh- a complete shootout. It was still, I mean, not low scoring, but in modern football, considered uh, low scoring, lower scoring. I mean, they still scored a combined uh, fifty nine points, but it it was just so much fun to watch, and it it really was back and forth. The momentum was constantly just changing. It it, it was very enjoyable, and it was I just loved when you can see. Both sides, both every single player giving their all. I mean, literally the last touchdown from uh, Max Duggan, he was literally on his hands and knees in the end zone because I didn't think he could move anymore. Yeah, I do uh, want to say. Oh, oh sorry. Go ahead. This. Go ahead. And I, I've been th- it's been bothering me since they did it. They were on literally the one inch line. Why are you backing up the hand of football? five yards in the backfield. They had the, every time the center gave a great push and he was already under center. That's when you get the ball and you go right up the center's butthole and you get into the end zone. Yeah, yeah. That, that is the prime spot to at least try a sneak. I'm pretty sure they had two straight plays on the one and neither sure time they tried to do it. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was two isos right up the A-gap, following the line, following the fullback. And when you're on the one inch line, you don't you you don't run anything except for literally a quarterback sneak because that's the smartest thing to run there. Yeah, because you pick up no yardage. Yeah, we can we can break down this game all day because there was plenty of spots where you know they could have done other things, but we'll get into a game that was uh, a little bit more of a a, a beatdown. Uh, Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship, fifty to thirty. Um. I expected nothing less uh, from Georgia against LSU. Um, this is kind of like 
a, a game where I, I think I saw uh, Joel Klatt talk about this um, when he was playing college football. Um, he went up against an Oklahoma team that had lost the uh, Big 12 championship the year before. His team goes into the Big 12 championship against them, and it didn't matter what happened. Oklahoma was winning that game, and Georgia felt the same way. Georgia, they lost it last year. They lost it in 2019 to LSU. Georgia was not going to let that happen this year. Yeah, and I mean, Georgia Georgia looked great. Um, they just they, they, they showed up. It was a little slow to start because, I mean, LSU is a good team. But once they got the gears of turning, there was no stopping that team. Yeah, like Stetson looked great. Super efficient day from Stetson. 23 pat or 23 for 29, 274 in the air for four touchdowns. And then Kendall Milton still playing great. Eight carries, 113 yards. Dijon Edwards, 12 carries, 77 yards. Kenny McIntosh, 14 carries, 55 yards. Like they they still can't be stopped on the ground. Um and Stetson's doing what he has to. Stetson is like a role player kind of quarterback. He's it doesn't seem like he really takes over, but he does what he has to, and he went. He's a winner. That's all you can say about Stetson Bennett. I agree. Stetson Bennett reminds me of a shorter version of. Oh my goodness! I was about to say his name. It just left my mind. He played at Alabama. Uh, AJ McCarron. AJ McCarron. Yes, he can control the football game. He when he's in the game, he's not going to do anything. Too he's going, you know. He of course Stetson's had some crazy plays. So has AJ McCarron. But when he gets in the game, he's a manager. He gets in there and he's going to manage them to win. And that's that's what I, I mean. That's almost what the quarterback position originally was. Your job was to get the ball and then get the ball to your playmakers. Nowadays, you know, of course, in the last twenty years, it's been uh, twenty thirty years. It's really been a uh, uh, quarterbacks, you know, being the superstars, but. There, they, what what you can see with great teams, especially with this Georgia team and a lot of Alabama teams of the year, is you didn't need the superstar quarterback because there are so many good players on that field. You can you just need a you just need a quarterback who can manage the game to get the get get the ball to his playmakers, and of course he's going to make some uh, good plays as well. Yeah, it. This game was just like I, I knew it was over. When I saw that blocked field goal return for the touchdown, like you could tell that Georgia was just going to dominate and that they were not going to take off the gas. Like you could say that they took off the gas only because they scored like 35 in the first half and the defense really didn't have to do much in the second half. But this is a team that, you know, you can, you, you Michigan fans can sit here and say whatever you want. Saying that, oh, well, we played more top 10 teams or whatever. You had more impressive wins. Well, guess what? Georgia is here. Uh, they were just messing around when it came to Kent State and Missouri. Like, yeah, well, I, I don't think a, those games were real. This is something that, I, that this comment has been said to me by a plethora of people, and it's getting on my very last nerve. The, oh, there's not a single t- team in this. There, there's no team in this top four that's the d- most dominant out of any of them. And these are coming from mostly Ohio State fans because they're all salty because they lost to Michigan. And they're like, Ohio State's going to go in there and beat Georgia in, in, in Atlanta, in Georgia's home state. No, shut up and just look look, look at this. 
Look at what Georgia did. I mean, yeah, LSU has a bad loss to Tennessee and um, and, a, and a bad loss to Florida State. Not, not a bad loss, but they, that, I mean, honestly, LSU should have won that game. They ended up uh, choking it away. And but the it, loss to AM. Don't forget. Oh, that. yeah. And of course, the loss to AM. <laughs> I, I completely forgot about that one. I don't know how that one was horrible. Yeah. So, really, three bad losses. And um, of course, you know, you can make excuses for LSU. Jaden Daniels was beat up and this, that, the other. They still only had so many uh, players that returned and were on the roster, whatever. They're still a great team with great athletes, and I know I may I, I say a lot of mean things about him, but I will give him this. He's a hell of a coach. Brian Kelly is a good coach. He's a winner, and he will get them to win. Yeah, like, you look, 9-4 and four, uh, with a team that ha- has a lot of changes, even just from last year, let alone over the last couple of years. 9-4, and four, uh, your first time... Uh, away from Notre Dame, it it's a great season. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I completely lost my my uh, what I was well the point I was getting at. I just kind of Michael Scott that right there. Um, my my point being was, I think there are two dominant teams in this playoff, and I think everybody can agree: Georgia and Michigan. I think everybody knows, especially after that dominating. Uh, the display by Michigan over Ohio State. Georgia is going to play Ohio State basically on home territory. They're going to have a home game. It's a one hundred percent a home game. It's it's most likely going to be eighty to twenty percent Georgia fans, Ohio State fans, if not more, because it's in the state of Georgia, less than an hour and a half away. Athens is less than an hour and a half away from Atlanta, so it's going to be a home game for these Georgia fans. Ohio State. Yes, they play in big stadiums up there too, but it's going to be a complete. It's uh, an SEC crowd is different than a than any other crowd. I am, will always say that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Penn State crazy, but I think when you play in SEC school, especially on SEC soil, it's completely different. And I think this. Uh, I'm going to say it again because I said it every other week. It's going to be Georgia for sure in the play in the championship. Probably going to be a rough start against Ohio State because, yeah, they do have a great team, but uh, they haven't shown anything to me that's proven they can beat a team like Georgia. And then it's going to be Michigan because Michigan's just got a better defense than what TCU's seen this year, and I think they're going to be able to contain Max Duggan. Yeah, and and we can get into that a little bit more uh, when we start talking about bowl games and playoffs, but uh, I do want to move on, talk about Michigan versus Purdue. Um this is kind of the first game, and I and I know that uh, I kind of said it a little bit last week, where, yeah, J.J. McCarthy still didn't really have to throw the ball much. Um, Donovan Edwards got it done, 25 carries, 185 yards, and a touchdown. But J.J. McCarthy had a couple plays where when I was watching, I was like, okay, like he he's like, he makes the throws. He looks really good in the pocket. He... Uh, like moves around really well, but he doesn't make like the bad mistakes. And I really do think that he's a good quarterback. Yeah, I think he's a good quarterback, but I mean, kind of like with what I was saying about Georgia, when you don't have to really rely on passing the ball or anything like that, 
and you can just run the ball down someone's throat all day. That's that's and that's all you have to do to win the game. I mean, that's good. Good for you. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Michigan's quarterback he, he does look good. Don't get me wrong, but I think, yeah, I I, I think it's it's going to be a fun game in the championship when we see Georgia and Michigan. It's going to be. I think it's going to be more of a classic, hard nose, uh, run down your throat game. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, and you got to give props to Purdue. Uh, they kept it uh, a one point game going into the half. Uh, their quarterback Aiden O'Connell uh, was getting it done in the air. He threw two interceptions, but you know that's that's going to happen against a, a great defense like Michigan. But yeah, I think Purdue kind of held their own in this game and proved that they were a pretty good team. I agree. Something I really like, and I've said it uh, uh, each uh, every week. Um, Jim Harbaugh, I've been very, I have been very impressed this season and last season. I feel like more than ever before, he's able to see the first half and make the adjustments and come back out and win. And uh, uh, this game's another example of it. The Ohio State game's an example of it. He was able to take his team into halftime and say, "Okay." This, this, this wasn't working. This, this was working. This is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to do. You know, talk to them, get them all ready, get them excited, and come back out the second half. And, you know, it's and just say, you know, game zero, zero, we're restarting here and go back out and play a much better second half. Cause that's what you got to do to win championships is be able to play the second half of football. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on. Uh, I do want to talk about UCF Tulane. Uh, I know it's not Power 5, but still an important conference title game. Tulane takes it 45-28, and um, I I think Tulane's for real. Uh, (laughs) We made the mistake last week. uh, We didn't realize that Willie Fritz was going to stay. And so we were talking about how Willie Fritz was going to leave. He was going to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech ends up promoting their uh, interim head coach, and um, Tulane keeps Willie Fritz. So uh, I'm interested to see, you know, what Tulane can do. Um, especially in their bowl game, uh, they've they've got a bit of a prove it game for their bowl game, but um, just kind of for the future of Tulane, um, I could see them possibly in the next couple of years moving into the Big Twelve. Um, a lot of things could happen with Tulane. I'm very impressed. I agree. I, I am very impressed with Tulane. Uh, kind of upset with Willie Fritz for making me sound like an uh, idiot last week. Him and ESPN obviously. Uh, coordinated this just to make sure I look dumb. Um, but no, uh, I think I, I really do like uh, these big, these coaches that are obviously proven winners, really good coaches staying at these smaller schools and then turning them into potential, you know, potential D one uh, teams or, or whatnot. Cause I, I like that. It, it brings more fun to college football when, you know, Oh, oh we're going to play two line. Oh, we're going to beat them. No, this Tulane team is going to be a good team, and they're going to you know, want to come and play, and they have the possibility of winning against you. So I think it just brings more fun into it. And maybe with you know, some of these coaches staying at these smaller schools like uh, Gus Malzahn at uh, UCF now, uh, he won a national title before. Willie Fritz at Tulane and what he's done there and uh, j- a couple other schools like that. Uh, I think it's I, – I, I like that because maybe with that, with you know, these smaller schools having such good coaches – Maybe that will help promote these bigger schools instead of going for these uh, small teams. Maybe they'll say, "Why risk losing to one of them when we can go play Michigan instead?" And uh, the open and the opener, 
And and if we lose to them, you know, we know they're going to be a top 10 team. So if we have two losses, one's to them and one's to number one Alabama or number one Georgia, we still have the potential going to the playoffs. Yeah, there, there's a lot to look forward to uh, with a couple of these uh, top group of five schools. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll move on to the ACC championship game, Clemson versus North Carolina. And, and really the only big storyline here is that uh, Cade Klubnik is going to be the starting quarterback of the Tigers next year. Um, we found out after the game that DJ entered the transfer portal. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But I'm I'm really impressed by Cade Klubnik. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I texted you as soon as they uh, put uh, Cade into the game that he was going to be their starter and that Clemson was going to win that football game. Because going into the game, the first few drives, I was like, North Carolina was looking good. They uh, they scored a touchdown. They were they were looking pretty good, They're, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this this is gonna be a close game, and North Carolina's gonna pull it out and look, and you know, and they're they're gonna win a title and whatever." And then they made the switch at quarterback, and a Clemson team we haven't seen since probably since Trevor Lawrence was there came out, and they were just they looked like a uh, like I said a completely different team with uh, Kate at the helm. I mean, it was very impressive. Yeah, and, and you got to give some credit to uh, Clemson's um, defense. They played really well. Uh, it, it's been a tough task for uh, defenses this year to stop Drake May. Um, they did their job. Uh, they've got some studs. So um, I'm interested in you know, kind of seeing you know, where is DJ going to end up? How is Cade Klubnik going to adjust to playing a full season uh, against an ACC uh, schedule that – I'll be honest, the ACC's kind of getting back up there. Um, they fell down for a couple of years, but uh, North Carolina is still really good. Florida State's coming up. NC State, uh, though Devin O'Leary is going to enter the transfer portal, NC State's still a good team. Uh, there's teams to look out for in the ACC, so I'm interested to see if Clemson can be dominant like they were in the past. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The ACC is uh, kind of making a comeback these few years. I I bet they'll probably be. Uh, they'll definitely uh, this. I, I bet this upcoming year they'll be on par with uh, the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve, most likely having a lot of teams uh, that are going to be ranked high or at least have uh, very good records um, because they a lot. A lot of these teams are looking very good. Uh, like you said, Florida State. Honestly, Miami had a bad year this year, but I think they're next year they're going to rebound. They've 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 had some rough patches, but. I really like Mario uh, uh, Crystal Ball down there, and I think he's going to be able to do do something this offseason, get some guys in the portal to come back, especially Miami being such a big hub for recruits, being able to get some guys to uh, commit to Miami. I'm right, pretty sure he's a top five recruiting class right now and was a top 10 or 15 last season. So uh, just him, for example. And then I think uh, Brett Key, uh, He's the, they just uh, promoted him at Tech, right? That's his name, yep. Key. Yeah, yeah I think uh, they people really seem to like him. I really hope for his sake. I mean, he's played. They they looked better in the last few games with him than they ever did with uh, Jeff Collins. So I really hope with him he can keep. He he can bring in. Uh, he can hit, hit the portal, get some players here to make him good again. I don't think they're going to go anything crazy like I projected with Willie Fritz, but I think he might get him to four or five wins next season. Possibly six if he plays, if he can get hit the portal this offseason. 
And I mean, I can go through the whole ACC and talk about how I, I think they're getting better, but I'm really excited for that conference because I think they have a lot of hope ahead of uh, ahead of them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and we'll get into uh, you know what this whole year builds up to, which is the uh, the college football playoff. So the way it moved was uh, Georgia State at one, Michigan State at two, uh, TCU lost and still stayed at three, which surprised some people. Uh, wasn't really a surprise to me as much, just because um, I, I know that the committee didn't want Ohio State to jump into the three spot uh, and just play Michigan uh, in round one. Uh, they'd rather, you know, the possibility of that being the championship game. Um, Alabama fans can keep crying all they want. They weren't going to make it in. Tennessee fans, same deal. You weren't going to make it in. So uh, I think that when it came down to it, uh, first of all, USC kind of got screwed. Dropping all the way down to 10 is ridiculous. But, um, you know, it, it kind of made sense. Kansas State won, Utah won, Clemson won. Um, they should have all jumped ahead, but it's tough that they got all the way down to 10. Yeah, I think dropping them all the way to 10 was ridiculous. They lost. They're a two-loss pro team now, right? Yes. So they're two losses. And they were number four. Really, in my opinion, I thought they were just going to drop the five. That's what I thought. Uh, af- that's what I thought after they lost. They were just going to flip flop with Ohio State, and it was going to be USC, Bama, Tennessee, so on, so forth. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought as well. To me. Yeah, and, but and I, arguably Clemson should have jumped Tennessee and Alabama because Clemson won their conference championship, which put them to eleven and two, whereas Alabama and Tennessee were ten and two. Yeah, I agree. Uh, people talk about it all the time, and I hate to admit it, but I mean, there is a bit of SEC bias. But I think what also happens, the SEC bias is there for a reason because most of these teams, they were to play, the SEC would probably win. But you also, when, they, when you look at all their things, they say they don't, but you know, they look at the talent on the roster. They look at, you know, what's going to make the – they're looking also for what's going to give them more views if they put Tennessee ranked high and Clemson ranked high, then – We'll put them in a bowl game. You know, all that stuff goes into it, too, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. But And I I will admit, there is a little bit of SEC bias, but it's there for a reason. Yeah, for sure. They've earned it. Um, uh, I do think that the Big Ten, um, at least, you know, both of us living in the South, um, a place that's dominated by Georgia fans um, and Alabama fans, we don't really get to see how big the Big Ten is until you look at it in the grand scheme of things and you realize that, oh, yeah, the Big Ten, um, I, I'm pretty sure the Big Ten gets more viewership than the SEC. Uh, they just signed a, a huge media rights deal that's going to start, I, I believe, either next year or the year after. So the Big Ten, uh, it doesn't maybe get as much shine from the college football playoff, but when it comes to viewership, the Big Ten is probably the biggest conference in football. So um, uh, I'm interested to see you know, how the Big Ten changes. There's obviously you know, USC and UCLA joining, which is still uh, absurd to me. But yeah. um, there's a lot of changes coming to college football, and I'm interested to see how uh, the playoff committee kind of reacts to it and adapts. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. And I think kind of what you're saying about the big 10 being a bigger 
conference. I think they're a bigger conference as in this aspect of they promote, they do a better job promoting a bunch of sports as well with it being a lot of indoor sports too. Uh, like things we don't have in the SEC, like wrestling, and I think every school up there has gymnastics. You know, cra- you know things that we oh, would the, never. The SEC is, I'm pretty sure, the best for gymnastics. Well, like I'm, what, what I'm saying is, like <laughs> every school, every school up there sponsors these sports. Yes, but uh, when it SEC, comes to football viewership, I'm still pretty sure the Big Ten. Uh, well, uh, beats what the I'm SEC. getting at, what I'm getting at is there is they have is okay, you know, I'm a wrestler and I'm like, you know, I'm a big Penn State fan because they have a wrestling team I like, so I'm going to watch their football team. That makes me go. They also have, their school's also significantly larger than ours. Yes. That's uh, also something you get. We, we can get into this debate um, maybe in the offseason when we've got time to argue. But uh, I, I do want to get into some of our favorite bowl matchups. Um so if you want to go ahead and start one off, uh, what is one of your favorite bowl games? There are two I kind of want to point out here. Uh, one definitely being the, uh, uh, I think it, it was for the 2015-2016 season. Sugar no, bowl. I'm talking. I'm talking this year. Oh, this year. Yes, oh. this year. What are your, what are your favorite uh, what are your favorite bowl game matchups for this year? Oh, okay, yeah, for definitely because uh, it's going to be a great bowl game. Uh, Georgia Ohio State's going to be one heck of a bowl game. That is going to be a very fun game for everybody to go watch. A uh, very high-powered offense against a very hard-nosed, strong defense in Georgia. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch, uh, and it's going to, you know, kind of it, it's either going to shut up, uh, it's going to shut up one of the fan bases. So it's kind of a win-win either way. Uh, but as uh, that's going to be, I think the top. That's the number one bowl game this offseason. I think everyone would pick that. But in some yeah. of these other ones, uh, there, there, there's a lot of good ones out this offseason. I'm trying to think of one game I, I think is going to be fun to watch, and it's completely irrelevant for most people. I, I think this Buffalo versus Georgia Southern game. I, that, I that's one that I starred. That, that one's a really good matchup. Yeah, I think you know they're both – they're not power five or anything major, but I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch, especially with uh, Tyler Vantries at Georgia Southern, who just transferred away from Buffalo last year, came down to Georgia Southern's, had a heck of a season, still has a lot of learning to do. But, I mean, he's had one heck of a season with Southern. Um, but I think that's going to be a really fun bowl game to watch. I'm very excited to watch it. I hope I, I'll be able to. Yeah, uh, the the biggest bowl game that I want to point out um, for me uh, outside of the Cheez-It Bowl, which I'll get to, is uh, the Cotton Bowl. USC taking on Tulane. I think people are going to be surprised with how good Tulane plays USC. I agree. I think USC is also going to be in a little bit of a pity party of not making college football playoffs. So they're kind of going to go in there on like a bit of a vacation, ignoring it. And I think Tulane's ready to prove a point. And, I mean, I, 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 there's been a lot of – I'm going to continue to praise Willie Fritz here because, I mean, he deserves it. I think he's going to be able to get him coached up for that game. Every time you see one of these small uh, group of five schools in a power five – or, sorry, a big-time bowl game playing a big-time team, they always show up, and they always give us a great game to watch. Outside of Cincinnati last year. 
Outside, of course, outside of Cincinnati, <laughs> they do not deserve it. But that's that's the point. Yeah. Uh, what What's another game you like? Um, this one I'm sure a lot of people would also pick. Uh, this South Carolina versus Notre Dame game. Mm, I like that. I'm really ex- I'm I'm excited to see how uh how because I know Notre Dame they're ready for it. They're I I, I like uh, Marcus Freeman. He's gonna have them ready. I think with South Carolina, there have been a few games this year where they should have won and they did not win because they, they just simply did not show up to play football that day. And so I'm, re- I'm really excited to see how uh, Shane Beamer is going to bring all that excitement from their last two wins over two top 10 teams against Notre Dame. Yeah, this is kind of the uh, who's Clemson's daddy bowl. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's true. The the next one I do want to talk about is um, the Sugar Bowl. Number five Alabama takes on number nine Kansas State, and I once again I, I you'll be surprised by how well Kansas State's going to play Alabama. You know maybe maybe Alabama blows them out, but also none of these players uh, on Alabama outside of um, Jameer Gibbs have really had a season where they're not playing for a championship. Like, these guys don't have anything to play for. In Kansas State, they're coming off, they're the Big 12 champions. Like, they deserve to be here, and I think they're going to show the the nation that they do. I think uh, this is all going to go down to Nick Saban, because Nick Saban always gets his boys up to play a game. So I'm not really worried about that. I think this goes to see, this just kind of shows, this game's going to show us, if we think he's going to stick with his coordinators, the, the, however this game ends up, whether it's a shutout, a blowout, uh, you know, they shut him out or they get blown out, which I can't imagine that happening, or it's a close game or whatever it is, this just show, is going to show if Nick Saban is going to keep his coordinators for long for another year or if he's going to go ahead and, you know, just say, hey, you're going to end your career here with uh, winning the Sugar Bowl and then we're going to say bye or a loss to Sugar Bowl. But after this game, you're done at Alabama. I think that's what this game's going to show us. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, this is definitely going to um, be important to the future of that program. But um, one more game uh, I want to talk about before I get to the Cheez-It Bowl, where I'm just going to completely hype up Florida State, um, is the Orange Bowl. This is like as orange as the Orange Bowl could get. Uh, number six Tennessee taking on number seven Clemson, and I, I, I do wish that both of these teams could just wear orange in this game. It would make it so much better. But, um, I think this is a good matchup. I know that it, it, it sucks that Hendon Hooker can't be in this bowl game, but, uh, it, it's going to show probably a, a little bit more of a reflection on these two teams for next year. Uh, Milton's going to be starting for Tennessee. Klubnik's going to be starting for Clemson. Um. I'm very interested. Yeah, I agree. This shows way more for uh, next season than it does for uh, the result of this season with both of them starting new quarterbacks. Well, not new, not starting, but, you know, this is their first real game starting, like, for, for Clemson's quarterback, of course, and then yeah. this would be uh, uh, Milton's second game starting it's the second of this season he was the starter last year before he went down and that's when hendon took the job but um yeah the first really big game for uh milton yeah this is going to be very interesting to see how they 
how they get ready for this. And I think this this game's gonna be very competitive because this is kind of a this is them showing this is what we're gonna be like next year. Y'all be ready. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, any more games that you want to get to? One that we completely forgot that is this weekend, and I have been. It's one of my favorite games every single year. Oh and that, yeah! Oh my god! How did I forget? We completely forgot the Army Navy game, the best rivalry in all of college football. There's no rivalry with more tradition and really more meaning to it than this game. It is a very good game. I'm very excited to see and watch it this uh, this weekend. Yeah, where are they playing this year? Do they play at a neutral site? Or yeah, do they you, play at the college? It's usually played at a... Oh, dang, uh, the Philadelphia Stadium. Um, yeah, yeah, Lincoln Financial. Yeah, that's usually where they play it, but uh, I think that's where they're playing it again this year, but I do not know. Yeah, I just, I just pulled it up. Yeah, they are playing at Lincoln Financial. Uh, I do wish it could be a home game because... Like there, there's nothing like going to a game at West Point. It, it, it's truly a, a a different experience. Yeah, my goal is to one day go to not only to go to an Army Navy game, but to uh, go to both an Army and a Navy game at their respective fields be- or their home stadiums. Because, as you know, one, once upon a time, back before my injury and everything hit the fan, I wanted to go to the Naval Academy. So I. And my grandpa, he's a he's a bit of a Navy fan. He play, he was in the Navy for thirty years, so he's a bit of a Navy fan. So we've always watched this game, and it's always been an exciting game. So of course, I'll be rooting for Navy this weekend. But this is going to be a really fun game to watch. I mean, obviously, it's going to be low scoring. It's just going to be traditional football, and I'm so excited to watch it. All right, it's time for my cheese at bull rant. <laughs> Go ahead. How are you going to disrespect number 13 in the nation by putting us up against Oklahoma? That's ridiculous. There have been so there are uh, so many bowls uh, games here that I am very upset or the or, or that they put put against each other. Like Florida State being one of them, really number 13 in the nation who's 8 and 4, I believe, right? 9 and 3. 9 and 3. 9 and 3 and they're going against the 6 and 6 Oklahoma team. Really? Yeah, like give give me number twenty Texas at least. Yeah, I that would draw. First off, that would draw way more fans. Like yeah. I I I just don't get it. That that does not make any sense to me. Where even is Texas playing? Texas is playing against um. They are in. I was literally just looking at it. Uh oh, they're in the Camping World. Uh, or sorry, the Alamo Bowl. Um, against Washington. Washington's gonna beat the shit out of them. I think. Probably. But, like, but, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, that is very disrespectful to Florida State to put y'all against a 6-6 six and six Oklahoma team because y'all deserve a better bowl game than that. That's, I mean, that should honestly be a pretty easy win for y'all because Oklahoma's not looked good at all this year. Yeah, and, like, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, this is going to be a complete Florida State home game because they're playing in Orlando. But, like, I don't want to watch a, a game where I know going in that we're we're probably going to be like fifteen point favorites. Yeah, I I just there. Uh, I mean, that's kind of my thing with the Ole Miss Texas Tech game is Ole Miss is a is favored by a fair amount, and we've played Texas Tech like 
eight times since like 2006 or something in bowl games. Why, why, why do you keep us putting us against them? Give us a new opponent that we're, we're not really going to see again. I guess you don't, you, uh, you don't normally see Florida State and Oklahoma playing each other, but like Florida State's a better team than, is a way better team than uh, this, um, this Oklahoma team. I just don't get it at all. Yeah, like right now, Florida State's only favored by seven and a half, which is once again disrespectful. Like we were, we were favored by more against like multiple other teams this season that are much better. I, I don't get it. Like this Oklahoma team is bad. First year head coach. Like I'm, I'm it's so confused and I'm so mad. Yeah, I they're they, yeah we really there's so much to say here, but it all kind of boils down to the same thing here. Of it is very very disrespectful to put Florida State against Oklahoma. They have played a much better season and deserve a better opponent to play against as they're to uh, put the cherry on the cake of this season or the cherry on top of this season. Yeah, it it's crazy. Uh, I I do want to give us a little bit of time to talk about the transfer portal because it has been, it's as active as ever, especially in the quarterback department. Um, we, we know the DJ's going, uh, Devin O'Leary's going. Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, Keaton Slovis is leaving. They've already replaced him with a different transfer, uh, the starting quarterback from, uh, Boston college. So, um, yeah, whole lots going on. Any, anybody that you want to point out in particular that's in the transfer portal? Um, there's just a few that came to my mind. The first off, the fact that uh, JT Daniels is transferring again is insane to me. I almost believe there should be limits. Like, dude, find somewhere and settle down. All right, you had the starting job the whole time at West Virginia. I, I that was your fault for going there on your third transfer. That's on you. Second, I kind of want to point out there are over a thousand players entering the transfer portal on the first day. It's crazy. Holy, holy crap. That is insane. This, uh, I saw uh, one, of the, one, of, one of the big um, football reporters put it up. And he, he, it was his opinion, of course. And it was uh, the transfer portal is becoming more important than, the, than recruiting players at a high school. And when he said that, it made me think. I think there, that's a yes and a no. I think we're still going to have perennial powers like. Alabama and Georgia, who are still going to get the top uh, top tier athletes out of high school, but I think this is also the transfer portal is going to empower a lot of teams who are going to have like not one and done seasons, but they're going to have like the 2019 LSU team, where they're going to have one amazing year, and then they go a few years of like you know seven five nine three eight four, you know things like that. And then they're going to, you know, back in the transfer portal because they're going to keep getting good kids uh, out of high school, having good recruits. But then if they don't have what they need, they can hit the portal. And, you know, they're going to they can possibly get someone who's going to have a magical year like like a Joe Burrow or someone. So I think this is going to keep certain teams at the top still who can still get continuously get good high school uh, talent to come there. But this is also going to give us a lot more a lot of different teams that are going to have really good seasons. It's going to make postseason a lot more fun and enter- entertaining. Yeah. And, and like, there's a, 
at least the the top five quarterbacks um, that are transferring this season like are all guys that could be making an immediate impact. Uh, Devin Leary um, is leaving NC State. DJ is leaving Clemson. Hudson Card is leaving Texas. Luke Altmaier is leaving Ole Miss. Jeff Sims is leaving Georgia Tech. Like These are guys that genuinely can make an impact on a roster. Yeah, and it's not like they're going to – Every single person you name, it's not like they, they're going to go to some small little power group of five school. All, all of those quarterbacks you named are all potential power five starters. And like you said, they can go to a power five school and make an immediate impact on that team. So, uh, I mean, what, what, to what I was, again, to what I was saying is this is going to empower a lot of teams who they just need a quarterback. But, you know, that's the only thing they, they just need a a quarterback who is who is good and can win them these games, or they just need an experienced quarterback or something like that on the team to give the true freshmen they have coming in a little a little help. So I think the transfer portal for portal, there's a lot of good things with it. I mean, of course, there's a, some bad things. That there's baggage with it, of course, but I think uh, I mean Lane Kiffin was is, was really ahead of the time when it came to this. Uh, the last few years, uh, he he did it down at F, uh, FAU, picking up a lot of uh, JUCO and uh, group of uh, sorry, Power Five players that transferred away. FAU had uh, three great seasons there. Coming to Ole Miss, has done the same thing. As long, uh, but the thing with him is he's as well. His biggest thing is uh, I've noticed he's able to still get something we talk about with Jimbo Fisher is Jimbo Fisher he got the best recruiting class of all time, but they didn't fit what his needs were. Lane Kiffin is still recruiting players that fit his needs as well as hitting the transfer portal and getting players that fit his needs. So he's still building up uh, the depth there, getting players to develop under his system to do what he wants, as well as getting players in transfer portal that are veterans and fit his needs. Yeah, it, it, the transfer portal has completely changed college football. Like now, like Deion Sanders is going to Colorado. His son's transferring to Colorado. I'm sure there's going to be numerous players transferring to Colorado, and it it's something that can just completely shake up an, an entire conference or even maybe the whole country. Who knows? Colorado could be a contender next year. Look at USC. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're the perfect example. They get a new coach, and he brings basically his entire team from Oklahoma to USC, uh, uh, as well as the uh, receiver who won the uh, uh, blink or you know the, uh, the 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 best receiver in the country trophy. I cannot say uh, that. I, I can't remember which one it is. Is it the Bolitnikov? Is that is yeah? That right? Pretty okay. sure he got them him there as well. So. The transfer portal, it's uh, much to again to quote Lane Kiffin because he really was the coach in the forefront of it. It is just free agency in college football, yeah. Well, like Miami, um, I, we had just talked about how Mario Cristobal has a good thing going, they've just had their 14th person enter the transfer portal, yeah, which is uh very crazy to me. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. But uh, I mean, Ole Miss as well has had, I think, 10 players hit the portal from, uh, the, from the sources on, of course, I'm trusting Twitter sources, which as an Ole Miss fan, no, in recent events, I should not be. But 
Uh, I mean, according to on three, I believe they said the last thing I saw, we had 10 players at the portal. Um, and all, I mean, and it appeared like none of them, they just kind of been here a few years. They were lower recruits and they really weren't getting the time they want. So they're transferring out. So, uh, you know, it, it could be the same thing at Miami when they went through those few years with uh, Manny Diaz and it's just, they're not, I mean, they're not top prospects, you know, so they're trying to just get out of there to go somewhere where they can play. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're the ones who are going to change the team. Who knows? Yeah, there, there's a, a whole lot going on in college football, and I, I, I want to get more into the transfers next week. Um, there won't be quite as much to talk about. Um, so we can look a little bit more, see you know what kind of develops over this next week. You got anything else for the people, Brock? Uh, they should buy Brooks' uh, running attire. I yeah. love the website. Like they, I, I've never really. I usually just, I mean, as being an athlete my whole life, I've always just been given what, whatever sports team I, I've been sponsored by, or whatever. So I never really had to buy athletic wear. But uh, since uh, being in touch with them, they've have several. Uh, articles of clothes that I've gotten that are very comfortable and I'm very happy I have now. They look very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love Brooks and, and thanks again for them for uh, sponsoring this episode. I think that's going to do it for us. I believe we'll it will next week. See ya.